Hey, what's going on? It's Top of the Dude Chain. I don't know what day of lockdown or quarantine we're on, it, even though it doesn't feel like a quarantine because I've just pretty much gone everywhere I wanted to. I hate going to restaurants, so my life outside of working from home hadn't really changed nope. all that much. But we have a treat for all our loyal listeners. We have our friend Trigger Mishka, who's been on the podcast before former marine avid world traveler usc fight promoter along with other mma divisions and now we can add harvard accepted college student to that list of accolades as well trigger thanks for coming on man welcome uh and always happy to have you here thanks for having me guys well uh glad to be back so We'll get into the MMA stuff and the travel stuff, but uh, I don't know when it was. About a week ago, because uh, we're buddies on Facebook, obviously. You made a random post that I kind of thought was a joke at the beginning uh, when you said that you got accepted into Harvard, <laughs> into their uh, archaeology If you ever seen department. that on Josh's Facebook, that is a joke. <laughs> um, and then reading through the comments... Uh, you said you had a year to accept and, and so first off, congratulations. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Second off, how did that come about? Like in my mind, I'm kind of hoping you randomly woke up one morning and decided to apply to Harvard just to see what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude. Uh, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if it's fake. It's really not, <laughs> but like, you know, like I'm always like kind of whims for the moment type of person. Like I've always really been in, into travel, archaeology, all that history stuff. We talked before about that. And I was like, well, as my company grows bigger and I'm looking towards the future, I want to have multiple things that I could do eventually, especially if at some point, you know, we're enough to work just like we work for myself. One of the things I've always wanted to do was I always like, travel the world, do my photography, but I'm really into the actual archaeology and like the history piece and all that stuff. So like I studied anyway on my own. And one day I did just wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm like doing this stuff on TV or whatever, like watching lectures, watching courses, like studying the stuff and like nerding out. But I'm actually like learning things that are probably going to like should be going towards the college credit. And I'm thinking, all right, you know what? I have a master's, I'm done with school. Then I see a buddy of mine went to Yale for some advancing school. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'll never do that. You know, here's three months later. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to apply to Harvard. Well, first I, I was like, let me look up the top archaeology schools in the world. Because if I do this thing that I want to do here in the next few years, then I could be working for myself and working as an archaeologist, you know, kind of the dream for me at least. And yeah, so I started looking top archaeology schools and one of the ones that came up was Harvard. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, me get into Harvard. So then I was thinking like, all right, I need to look into the programs. Cause I kind of looked it up. If it's like a bachelor's in archeology, span right. kind of be a museum curator. And I'm like, that's not really what I want to do that for. You know, I don't want to stand in the museum like Ben Stiller or whatever, so, <laughs> you know, anyway, I really want to be on the actual digs and I'm not going to lie. I don't necessarily want to do all the digging either. Like I want to be like a big part of that. Like if I'm going to do it, I want to do it like the right way. And I want to promote the history and help, of course, help with all that stuff. But that's not, I'm not trying to just get a degree so I can go dig somewhere, you know? So I'm like, all right, 
So I need to look at a master's program. And that actually helped me because going back for a bachelor's, you have to do or uh, redo a bunch of stuff. But one of the things I looked at in Harvard, it said, um, if your former master's, because I already have a master's, uh, and I think some of the bachelor coursework didn't conflict at all with the Harvard program and your grades were right and, you know, all your other stuff was right, right then you could be eligible. So I was like, all right, you know what? It hurt. I'm like bored and quarantined and this is the kind of crazy stuff that happens. So I'm like, all right. I'm, so I uh, send in my preliminaries and they were like, okay, well, we don't see anything barring you back. Then they said, uh, okay, go ahead and submit an official application, get the official transcript um, over there uh, to the whatever enrollment office. And I sent it in and this was all like happening within about a week or two. And I'm like, all right, now it's going to be a while, you know? And then like the following week, it comes back and says, well, congratulations. Um, there's nothing holding you back from the program and you can pursue your classes. Um, basically you get a try. I get a trial period. So I have one year to start it or I would have to try to re, re get readmitted and all that stuff. And I think maybe right now is the right time. Cause I'm not sure how many people are trying to do that, you know, anyway. Right. So I have to do these three classes first, as long as I pass with a B or better, uh, then they allow you to take the final nine and finish out the program. So I still got a, you know, a road ahead of me, but part of the um, curriculum too, which is cool is I can still work. Like I can, I'm going online, even the on campus, there's three classes on campus that you have to do. You can just come in and like do the weekend and go back once a semester. And that, excuse me, that fulfills, uh, yeah, that basically fulfills the on-campus requirements. Hmm. So like one trip to Harvard a semester or whatever, that's, just yeah, so somehow your, uh, get your sweatshirt here I leave. was like, uh, all right, let's do, let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you were going to say that you went to visit and solved an unsolvable equation on a chalkboard or something. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then, you know, I was like, oh, something, it's a they, movie they begged you to come. Like now, the archaeology is cool. I'm a land surveyor, and uh, one of my friends uh, that was surveying with me, uh, his idea was to do surveying for archaeology uh, because on the digs, they want to map out where they're going to dig um, based on where they think things should be. And uh, so he, he was kind of pursuing that. He wanted to get licensed as a surveyor, uh, but then go on and, and get a degree in history and archaeology. Uh, but I think, uh, I think he actually dialed it back and decided just to focus on surveying for right now. But I was like, man, that sounds like the coolest job yeah. ever. <laughs> Well, that's my thing. I like exploring ever since I yeah. was a kid. I've always liked to say the history bit. I've got, I feel like I got a pretty good photography platform. And like, I kind of want to like take it a step further, especially if I have the fight stuff going on and I'm doing well and I have all this exposure, maybe I can put it all together into bigger views for, you know, I don't know, putting a travel show together, just little dreams because I thought about it this way. I'm not going to school this time because I need to go to school. I'm like, I just want to go because like, I love archaeology. I'm nerding out on this, like I said, every day anyway, basically. Let's do something about it. And then guess what? If nothing comes of it, I have a freaking archaeology degree from Harvard. Yeah. You know, like whatever. So. Dude, well, Harvard hey. grad. Mishka yeah, then I can correct dude. everyone's spelling even more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Harvard, Harvard start grad. start wearing sweaters, though. <laughs> oh, I will. I wear me some sweaters. I mean, I'll do it on purpose the first day I start online school just to look like that i guess yeah <laughs> no. no that's awesome congrats online college star yeah. <laughs> yeah congrats on that though indiana jones in the making here yeah yes yeah. so speaking of that so so you mentioned your travel and i don't 
our, our but you know, uh, Trigger and I share a buddy named Dave who uh, went down to it was South America, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Peru. Yeah, down to Peru. These 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 traveling escapades that you go on aren't necessarily the same type of vacations I go on. Um, <laughs> as far as because to me, a vacation is is nothing to do lounging around eating whatever you know you, you want and you know, just kind of throwing caution in the wind and having uh, just kind of a, a moment where you don't have to be responsible for anything room service is what josh yeah is that, that's that's my idea of vacation this vacation had you hiking up hills and riding donkeys and and <laughs> uh i mean you had you had to you had to get up and 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 travel somewhere and be at a certain point at a certain time so that you could uh continue on with the rest of the vacation is yeah. that how all of them are, or you know, do you kind of mix them up? Because well, obviously, it sounds like you're a history dude because you you've been to Egypt. I know you for, just since I've known you've been to Egypt, South America. Uh, you've been in the Middle East, obviously. Uh, what what drives you in that sense? I guess from the traveling standpoint. Well, so for the first, I guess, uh, I guess, answer to the question is. Not all, all of it is like that, but I will say like when I got back from the Egypt, Greece and Italy, little three week tour I did, I'd lost like almost 15 pounds and same thing with Peru. Um, I will say though, Peru was accidentally that hard. It was supposed to be a little easier. Like, like <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't mind. I want to cover a bunch of stuff. I want to get up early. I want to go to all these places. I don't mind the walking. I don't mind you know, all the kind of hustle and bustle and you're going to sweat doing that all day. You know, even right. though I was eating like a pig, I lost all that weight and I was like, all right, this is cool. But in Peru, what I did is I booked two really hard hikes. It's cool. Like, you know, one part of it could have been relaxed one could have been a hard hike. That's how hard the hike were or the hikes were. And I booked two of them back to back to extend the vacation. Cause I don't like to leave for like four days. I want to go for like 10 days, you know? Right. So part of it was, it wasn't always that bad, but the first night we arrived, um, or was it, I'm sorry, that morning, they lost a bunch of our baggage and it got delayed at one airport. And we had to literally get off the flight and start a hike like hours later. So because we got held back and our baggage did end up arriving that evening, we basically agreed with the guides, not knowing kind of like what we're getting into. Not that we had a choice, but that, hey, well, we're going to get up at 3 a.m. and we're going to hike that stuff we would have done yesterday, today, plus some. So we ended up hiking <laughs> up like the Inca, not the Inca Trail, but like um, basically the mountains there, like towards that area and like way up, you know, high elevation and probably not probably. We did like 17 miles that since three in, three in the morning that one day. And doesn't help that you have a UFC fighter with you that's got cardio for days and she's like <laughs> running ahead of you and you're like, I'm going to die. And she's out there strolling like, and you're like, all right, look, this, this like doesn't motivate you. You know what I mean? It makes it worse. <laughs> so, no, yeah. And that was the hardest by far. Like, plus at night it was cold and uncomfortable, but I do like that. Don't get me wrong. I want to put myself in those positions. I want to go do those kind of off beaten path, you know, vacations. I don't want to just lay there and eat cheese i want to mix that in i want to do that and then go hike you know what yeah. i mean so you actually feel better after it's over than you do during those yeah, kinds of it, events well, exactly <laughs> yeah and no and it was fine um yeah dave like you said from uh work where we worked together before uh he went and he actually did really well um i was uh like towards the very end of that initial uh first day where it was 17 miles like the last mile probably i don't know it was like right towards the top i got altitude sickness 
and you can feel it. Like my head started feeling like it was going to mm. like, you know, it was pulsating, like it was going to explode. And like, I was just taking little baby steps, you know, and here comes Julia and she runs and she's like, you need help? Grabs my pack, you know, because she already got to the top. And then she <laughs> comes back down like jogging and then jogs back to the top, grabs my awesome. backpack. You know, now after I'm thoroughly demasculated. Well, that's because like, right, you're well, the boss though. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep crawling. And, you know, my buddy, her husband's Cody is there too. And, you know, he's doing fine, but he's struggling too. We're both just going. And there was times where he's like, Julia, slow down. You're making everybody look bad, you know, stuff like that. But no, she was great. So yeah, like some of us just, we all did pretty well, but it was very difficult. And at different parts of the trip, everybody kind of got hit with it. You know what I mean? So right. it, overall, we all handled it, but we all got sick at least once. Cause I say at least once, cause I got it that time for a few hours and then i got it for like half a day on my birthday like five days later at probably like i don't know seventeen thousand feet because we ended up getting i think to i might be making this up now because i forgot already but i think we got up to like twenty thousand. whatever rainbow mountain in peru is whatever the highest that peak is i mean i can google it but we got up to that and did I've you never have even to been in did you have to have oxygen when you went up there no um that was that's what weird that's what's weird i thought i was like man you're gonna need something right but no you don't need it but you can feel like your breath start getting like harder to take you know what i mean like right. you can't take as deep of a breath and uh let me look real quick i'll tell you but yeah it was uh seventeen thousand sixty feet okay that's what it was it was like seventeen eighteen thousand so yeah anyway that's i don't even know if i've been higher than to denver before you know <laughs> So that was nuts, and like you, I, you kind of get used to it. Wait, um, wait, wait, did you just say you've been to Peru and all these other places, but you don't know if you've been to Denver? No, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> the highest maybe I've been before that was. Oh, okay. Denver. I was going to say like everyone goes to Denver. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if you've flown, well, you've been to Denver. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So no, it's uh, it was interesting. It was really hard, but not all those trips are like that. Like Greece. Yeah, we walked a lot, but we relaxed a lot, and I ate a lot, and same with Italy. Egypt, more walking because there's a lot of stuff to cover, but it's still, there's times you can relax, and I don't know. I, I love it, man. Like, that's, I guess, the second part of your question. What was it? Why? Well, why you... just, just I, I, what, what makes you book? I mean, I guess the history is probably the biggest reason behind your travels. Yeah, so, like, I'm very into ancient history, so really starting from you know, backwards and up and I'm into all of it, but ancient history the most, especially when it has to do with like warriors and battles and right. it just depends. Kings, Queens, like I'm into all that, like monarchy stuff that, you know, everybody toppled because it wasn't so good, but it's to me the most fascinating, maybe just because of all the different stories. So anyway, I started with ancient Egypt because back in the day as a kid, I was always fascinated by mummies and, you know, all the different stories, the Arabian nights. So, for me, that Middle East part of the world, the cradle, and like even countries like where I might never go, like Iran, that's where all the history is. And for me, it kind of started with, all right, so I want to do Egypt, Italy, and Greece, because that's that whole major civilization, you know, I guess you could say cradle with everything else that was around it. And yeah, that's what I'm, I'm pursuing, I guess, history and knowledge and honestly, just kind of, I don't know, just trying to go these places before... I die instead of just reading about them in books. It's it's a thrill. Like I, I was talking to my buddy the other day, even going to 
Afghanistan, which nobody wants to go, but like, especially years later, past the military, just kind of jumping on a plane, like just getting away from everything against every, I guess, fear, or not even fear, but like reservation. And like, I remember even flying into that, like, like doing thing, you know, 37 years old, should be at home <laughs> with a family and her, I'm flying into Afghanistan just as a contractor to do some work and going all over these places. I, I get that thrill especially once you actually get there because before you get there the mountains you know yeah <laughs> so yeah it's just something about it man I, I like that feeling of going wherever i want to go and meeting new people and new cultures new friends whatever that's and the cool. grandeur of the places you know pyramids you know and all yeah. that stuff that's yeah i mean that's a draw i mean yeah. just to see what people back then did exactly. uh, same thing with peru you know just there's so many just great monuments down there of what you know what we would consider probably a more primitive lifestyle but like what they did is grander than any city we've ever built when you think about it yeah hold on my so. dog is making noises get out of here go no don't worry i'll probably have a two-year-old run in here in a minute so yeah yeah <laughs> we're cool <laughs> no so yeah no i'm with you and that's what it is like machu picchu like i could someday be old and like hey kids you know or, well, i don't know why i would talk like that but <laughs> it just happens <laughs> as you get older yeah but whatever you know like machu like talk about the times i saw machu picchu or the pyramids and the other thing is that like i don't play a ton of games but when i play games like i get into certain games mostly and for some reason years ago i started playing those assassin's creed games and if you've ever played those they're kind of like historical games they go back in different periods of time and i started reading about them because i'm another one of those people that's like i don't want to play some somebody made up and makes it all you know whatever so i read that there's actually they try to follow historical timelines and they've used maps right. and scientists so anyway i played that egypt game that came out origins like just a couple years ago and that's one of the it's funny to say, but that's one of the things that rekindled me to be like, man, I forgot about how much I love this stuff. And then I'm like playing in that game, running up these pyramids, doing whatever, you know, you can do in games. But when I actually got there, most of the stuff I saw, at least it's still there because most of it ain't there. But like the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, I go in the Great Pyramid. I knew exactly where to go. It was it was that realistic, it like proved the point of reading that they dogs that they said that you know it's very accurate and it was there was like a chamber here you know you got to go up this way and like everything i was doing i was like i've done this before and That's like awesome. the friend that was with me was like like i was like telling her like come this way I'm like how do you know that like don't worry about it you know yeah. <laughs> there you go folks yeah video games are educational Contrary yeah, yeah. They're very educational. yeah yeah they can get you into harvard yeah. <laughs> no man today i went crazy i uh because I was sitting around, I've been quarantined. I'm like, I want to travel. I'm, I'm already, I just got back from like being in Germany and, yeah, you know, working out there, but then visiting France and all Switzerland, those places. And then I wanted to come home, but I think I didn't expect to come home and be like this, you know? Yeah, so then I started getting a bug again to go see something else. And Egypt, is, as we just talked, is really my favorite place. And I told my friend two years ago, I'd come see him in two years, uh, that, you know, the guy that I met there, I've become friends with. So really, this was the year, and I was like, all right, well, everything is cheap. I went and looked because I have a bunch of miles, and I got a round-trip ticket to Istanbul in Turkey, and then I bought a shorter ticket, it's like two hours, to Cairo, Egypt, and back, and then back to the U.S. for like 17, 18 days later in the year in November because with all those guarantees now that you can cancel and rebook, I'm like, I basically got 
all those tickets for like 400 bucks. I'm like, let's go. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So I'm going to try to go to, yeah, as of right now, that's the plan is Istanbul and back to Egypt for, you know, eight and nine days, I guess, respectively. Sweet. Just yeah. just a bit of advice. If you've got an Enos Cantor uh, jersey, I wouldn't wear that whenever you go through Istanbul and Turkey. Say that again? In, oh, you broke up. An, an Enos Cantor jersey, if you oh, have yeah. one of those, I wouldn't wear it. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> he's he's, he's very not. unpopular in Turkey yes. now with the uh, officials. Yeah, I don't want to get in any politics, <laughs> man. You know how it is. I wouldn't wear anything Thunder, honestly. <laughs> no, I'm going to wear plain clothing so I don't have, like, marks of brand or anything that's right other thing like i try to buy plain stuff and usually it's all right but (laughs) when we were in greece it was cool but like i was telling this girl the whole time when we get to egypt actually it was my first time so i wasn't really i didn't know what the hell but from reading and i'm like hey you need to be dressed modestly and blah 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 just trying to so we don't get you know what i mean and she feels comfortable and then like i bought all this plain stuff thinking all right plain stuff is good but the stuff i bought like the shirt was like so bright white and linen looking like, and I had this white looking fedora. What I ended up looking was like the Godfather showed up and, you know, <laughs> and she looks at me and I was cracking up. She's like, you tell me to dress modest and you dress like that. And we show up at the airport and everybody's staring at you. And I'm like, I know like how did that end up happening? Like I'm talking all the crap and I ended up looking, you know, like the one that needed to be a little more modest. <laughs> so what's, what's the best place you've been? Like what, where would, where would you go back to? Well, I'm going back to Egypt. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's like the nicest. There's nice parts. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the nicest. It's definitely still in many places, a third world type of place, but the history and the people and just how I was able to spend my time definitely there. Um, I would go back to Greece again, anytime Italy later. I love Italy. I have a lot of Italy to still see. Um, I think even though I didn't see a few things in Paris, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if I'd go back unless I was just close to it for like another weekend. Cause I do want to see like Versailles and some other stuff, but that's not a place I don't think I would go back for another week or two. I didn't find it as mesmerizing. It's right. just, you know, it, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. Very, a lot of history. I enjoyed it, but so yeah, there, um, any places you wouldn't recommend? No, I mean like to go there once. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to spend, say like fly from the u.s all the way to paris and spend a week right you know because i've already spent like four or five days there and saw what i wanted to see and to see the other stuff it's not so on the top of my list that i'd go and spend you know another week just getting out there whatever you know what i'm trying to say right so i got I was two hours by train when i was there in germany two and a half so it was awesome jump on if i was still in germany i would do that again because two and a half hours that's not a problem i just wouldn't make a vacation out of it all right so if i have a terminal illness and one place is all i can go what do you say oh man that's messed up because first of all i don't want you to have a terminal illness like don't put that on me you know like but no i'm just playing but for as far as i think it depends on what you like i don't i don't know if you like i want i want it based on your experience just based on what I yeah I'm about well, to die man like I tell you to go to probably Greece um if you want a little less kind of run down in places and less having to kind of figure things out because Egypt at first you feel kind of uncomfortable because you don't understand it yet right but when you settle in and realize what it is then it's cool but if you want to just be like eating good food and have the best climate and you so know, Greece is about- Greece is probably more modern yeah yeah it's more modern it's more it's less restricted clearly like 
Egypt still has parts where very traditional women wearing the head garb and you know what I mean? All that stuff. So just depends. But Greece is like modern. The economy is recovering. The food is incredible. The temperature, like, I mean, honestly, yeah, Greece, Greece is like paradise. I would, I would think Josh would want to go where they had the best buffet and then the most temperate climate. That, that would be the two things I think. Maybe like golden corral in Texas. There you go. (laughs) Sign me up. Florida, I'll know. definitely do some going corralling. There's Texas. a Hilton out there made for Josh somewhere. <laughs> yeah, firing the Hilton next to the Golden Go to Corral. The, the Paris Hilton. <laughs> the Paris Hilton. That's awesome. They have one. So and yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I bet it's a good one. I mean, yeah. it's it. You know. So just to backtrack a little bit, uh, for those of y'all who are listening and don't know, Julia, and he's talking about his trip to Peru, is Julia Raging Panda Vila. Yeah. A professional MMA fighter, um, who uh, Trigger actually uh, managed. Now you've managed her whole career, haven't you? Uh, since uh, so she already had one pro fight when uh-huh. I got to know her, and then after that, unofficially, uh, you could say I, I helped her um, as uh, when I was a matchmaker slash promoter. I was getting her fights, kind of helped her. Her career from the beginning i was in an official manager capacity but really pretty much the same stuff was going on and now you know it's official ever since i started my company like two and a half years ago uh with my business partner reese so yeah really ap- other than one and oh after that we've been basically working together since so sweet and uh awesome. she 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 was supposed to fight in in two 249 uh, no, so we've lost this girl as an opponent three times. Not really her fault. The first fight was when I actually just got to Afghanistan last year for that job thing I did. Uh-huh. Um, they they called and that girl had pulled out due to an injury. Julia was fo- to, supposed to fight her, Carol Rosa, at UFC Singapore. And yeah, that was November uh, or was that end of October? It was like, so, so I already forgot, like end of October, November. So anyway, yeah, it was October. Anyway, so she got hurt pulled out um we were waiting a little bit you know uh, really there was another offer made but it wasn't the right like because julia's in an entry level contract so the money isn't quite there yet and the replacement on like six days notice was i think at the time the number eight or nine rank girl and i'm like really we would need to either jump up a contract because she's ready for these girls she's good enough right um, but we're not gonna sit here and go from this fight on eight or whatever, six days notice, whatever the heck it was, and jump into the top 10 without some kind of compensation. You know what I mean? So it wasn't yeah. the right move and really nothing against Julia because really that's more on me as a manager and on my business partner. And it's the right move in my opinion. But anyway, so we waited and we got a rebooking, the same opponent, no problem fighting her. Uh, that was what for um, April. Uh, and then of course, something Corona. crazy happens where no nobody expects the, the pandemic. And then yeah. it seemed like, you know, how Dana was trying to push the cards forward. Uh, we actually got an offer because Carol is in the U.S. The main issue was at first they thought, you know, people can't come into the U.S., but she was here training. So we're like, okay, yeah, we'll fight her. And they rebooked it on uh, whatever, one of the next cards they were going to do. Oh, May 2nd. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had to postpone indefinitely. So we lost her like three times now. But it does seem like now they're moving forward again. So I, I bet you we'll get rebooked quick. She's one of those that's she's always ready. Like we've been hitting mitts a couple times a week and, uh, you know, staying pretty isolated, but she's still got to get her work in. So right. I'll go with her and, uh, you know, it's really more for me. She ain't learning nothing from me. I'll tell you that much. But she's staying active and she trains 
with her people and i just know like i said personally that she's she's in there every day she's got a good little weight room and mats and everything and she's doing what she can definitely the same as having a gym open though you know right that's what that's what may 1st may set may 1st or may Uh, 6th it was going to be may 2nd right now there's nothing we don't have yeah yeah so we're just waiting now and then uh sarah alpar too the other girl that we have on the uh roster that's in the ufc so we're waiting on her because she was supposed to fight what is it may 2nd here in oklahoma city and man that card that's like one of the best cards i've seen that wasn't pay-per-view and i think they were doing it because it was one of those fox fight nights like one right. of the big ones and of course we lost that i was pretty <laughs> bummed out dana white's private island is that the next dude i so i bet you if it's like all the covid restrictions they probably won't even allow extras like management to go to probably be like fighter in a corner or two corners whatever three corners right that, which makes sense i'm not bitching but i'm just saying like God, I will hope they allow plus one, like ones or two. Yeah. How cool would it be to like, yeah. I don't care where the hell, I, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't trust someone to like, you know, send you to a private island and you don't know where it is, but you know what? Screw it. We live once. I'm going to trust that person and yeah. I'm going to a private island. Do yeah. you end up like the fire festival, man? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. Like everybody gets, you know, fights and beats each other up and I'll, I'll just be there like, yeah. We're in the, we're in the fur coat. <laughs> no, the probably white linen shirt that. walking around. <laughs> I probably have to be like butt naked, wear a fur coat on an island. It's too hot. Like, yeah. The, the white linen and the fedora. Yeah, they'll ask what I'm doing. I'm allowed to just tell them I'm there for the Sports Illustrated shoot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. So um, she, like I said, she so she's supposed to the fight. That's a UFC promotion. Do when do you see her getting to? I don't want to say legitimate because that's that's a, that's definitely not the right word, but to more of the main card status. Uh, so no, that's fair. Uh, so she signed exclusively to the UFC now. So she's I think uh, on uh, so the UFC doesn't do the rankings with just one fight in the world. I'm pretty sure she was already like 13 or something or 14 at bantamweight on you know the world rankings as far as just overall MMA. So she's talent and everything she's close to there but because we've had one fight on the initial contract i think really we need to get to that next level contract before we start taking these risks where the other girl is going to make two three times the amount of money standing across the cage from her then she needs to be making a similar amount you know what i mean so we're not gonna devalue her like that so i think she's probably if she really impresses next fight maybe they want to come to the table and kind of talking an extension or like whatever i don't i don't know exactly how that's going to happen um there's different ways that different promotions different things have happened where anything's possible but i do think that at the least i think probably about three to four fights because it's a four fight deal we have three left you know she goes in there and starches two of these girls outside the top 10 it's going to be nearly inevitable not to put her in the top 10 next and at that point with one fight left on the deal they might not even want to wait till the last fight and just get something done you know right so really Which, it just depends on performance and how we do and show up and but she's not far off ranking wise and talent wise she's there we just want to get it right so on both sides. so it's the business side of it that's really kind of needs to be yeah yeah out. because if they gave us a real camp and uh the right money for a top 10 girl right now no problem she's definitely there like she's ready she's not uh She's not really a one-fight newbie. She's beaten a lot of these girls. Like I said, one of them was just the champ a year ago. 
Uh, she's beating a girl that's ranked, I think, like nine now, Marion Renault, whatever the heck she's ranked. She's right. always around there. So, really, she can beat these girls, and I, no problem with it. We just got to get the out of the business side right, too. And, and by the way, her only loss came because she dislocated her finger and they made her stop. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it, it's, and, you know, kind of a fluke injury more than anything. Yeah, it hurts. Seven and one hurts because she should be eight and oh. But at the same time, I mean, all things happen for a reason, and you know what? It is what it is. Like, hey, no sense looking back. But yeah, it it does suck to have an undefeated, you know, yeah. torn, undefeated record tarnished with something with like a, that. It's like fear. John Jones, even though he actually did something illegal and stomped Matt Hamill, which is different. But still, he was killing him, and that's a guy that should be undefeated too. Really, if you right you know, that one hurts. It's almost like better to have two. <laughs> it's not, but you know what I'm trying to say? Because yep. it's like. The one really should be an O. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, so in the promoting, so because you're talking about the money and and all that, because I think the casual UFC fan is always just saying, why don't we put this person against this person, yeah. right? Why not, yeah. you know, Connor versus Kobe, whoever, you know what I mean? And just these are two people everyone that want to see fight, and it never had it. And I don't want to say never, but it doesn't always happen like that. And and the reason is because of that that business portion of it. Because I think from a fighter standpoint, you can clear yourself for us. From a fighter standpoint, just tell me who to get in the cage with and, and beat up. And that's that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Correct? Well, it depends. There's fighters that uh, you'd be surprised. They really pick and choose who they fight because stylistically they know they can beat this guy or that guy. And really coming up especially. And that really is part of managing your career. You don't want to just take a bunch of unnecessary losses early. You want to kind of build that record right. but there's some that really do it a lot too you'll see these guys on the local circuit like 10 and 0 12 and 0 and they go to the ufc and get absolutely destroyed you know and then really if you look up the record they're fighting guys that aren't very good they're building the record but at the same time once you get to the top like in that top five of the ufc i would say you're correct i think most of the time honestly even the business is already settled most time these guys fight but then there come the money fights or the McGregor side and guys right. or whatever know that they're going to make more fighting him. So they try to definitely negotiate different deals. There's a lot that goes into it. Overall, I, I do think, yeah, I think the holdup would probably be contractual disputes. But really, for the most part, unless it's like those big title fights or somebody unranked fighting a ranked person I, I don't think they have as many of those problems matching they've been making good fights lately it's just yeah no i agree the very top you know what i mean yeah and it sounds like you know when these these contenders when they're coming up you know they're a fighter looking for a fight and then i guess as they get to the top they're kind of like a brand looking for a match that not only can or i mean they're a brand that's trying to i guess make money and and be a fighter so when you go against them and you're a fighter trying to come up they're asking for so much of the purse that it doesn't leave leave much for the person who's on the come up and you're trying not to get taken advantage of there right well yeah so like there's uh every every organization has a budget and what they can spend uh, uh -huh. sometimes uh, some guys will uh make so much money that uh they can only afford so much for someone else. So you're right on that. It's the same way with locally, but sometimes it's actually the opposite too. There's been times where a champion or someone doesn't want to fight someone so bad that uh, it, it doesn't matter. Like, because stylistically they know it's just a bad fight. They want to wait or they want to develop that skill. I've also seen it where you, an opponent has to get paid more. And that's when some, that usually only happens when like, 
a lesser guy is convinced to fight a tougher guy. Yeah. And, you know, that tougher guy wants that fight, but the, you got to pay the lesser guy more now because otherwise he ain't going to fight that guy. Mm-hmm. So there, I've seen it many different ways. Um, for the most part, I, I will say, yeah, I think that's part of it. It's not even just the budget. Sometimes they'll be like, well, why is this guy making three mil and I'm making 200 K and it's like, well, that guy also brought, you know, 150,000 fans and you've got 20, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's a big yeah. difference. So sometimes people can say it's unfair. I'm sure there's been times, you know, that's in anything it's unfair, but at the same time, sometimes these guys do get paid specifically be how many put in seats. And it makes sense. Cause it's a return on investment at the end. It's yeah. still a business, you know? Yeah, so do you think Dana does a pretty good job as far because I know he was kind of getting criticized for the money part of it, underpaying people. Do you think, you know, that for the market, MMA, obviously they're not making as much as boxing, but for the market, is it is it fairly comparable or reasonable to what, what's going out? So I can base it on first, like local MMA. I know a lot of times where when I was coming in, I heard like, oh, this person, this promoter pays low locally or this or that. And then you kind of start getting used to it and seeing sometimes when you hear that, it seems low more for the person on the outside that doesn't know the cost of the event, the budgeting, right. more than to the person doing it because that's actually the market value. So I've seen that and I've also seen, yeah, people try to shortchange fighters. But at the same time, it's hard for me to say the UFC is very low or anything like that based on like the limited knowledge I have, because really they've gone up. They went up from the year before on their purses from what I've seen is they pay comparatively, like for the top, they're one of the better definitely payouts. Um, I do know that working with Bellator, um, if they like you enough or if you've earned it enough, they pay very well. Um, but they also don't do that for everyone. They only do that towards the very top. You know what I mean? Right. UFC um, and Bellator at the very top. For Bellator, it's probably like five fighters. You know what I mean? But whatever. Maybe I'm underestimating, of course, because they it's a lot more net. But still, compared to the UFC, you've got, let's say, the top 15% of Bellator making that UFC money. UFC, everybody's making that UFC money. Now, when it comes to their champs and stuff like that, Bellator can compete and sometimes will pay more. UFC will pay more, you know. But then if you really look at it other than at the top or those top contenders, uh, then on a consistent basis, UFC pays way more because even the lowest guy on the card is making 10 grand just to show up, you know, on a Bellator local card on the undercard, you might make, you know, 700 bucks, a thousand bucks. So, uh, and again, that's not a knock. It's a different model. Just to get your nose boxed in, man. (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. So like people would be doing it for way cheaper though. I mean, you know what I mean? Without those platforms. Got some bums at the, at the bar doing it for free. A lot of the local market, like Oklahoma city, for example, uh, you'll see guys fighting for 300 to show 300 to win dollars. You know what I mean? And that's your first like pro debut. And that's not out of the norm. Um, you know, you know, and Bellator is a different model than UFC. They don't have everybody signed. They only have like, you know, a part of their roster sign. And then they're very built on ticket sales. They're very localized. UFC don't care what town they're coming in. They don't care if there's a hometown favorite there. That's not, they're the UFC. They can sell whatever they're, you know what I'm saying? Right. And Bellator is trying to compete with that. And at the very top with a few guys, they have those type of guys. Some of them actually came from the UFC, but the point is then the rest of the card like the undercard is filled by local ticket sellers because there's still not the draw like UFC will draw anyone. Bellator still has to have these guys 
to bring these locals out to pack right. the arenas. So, so it, yeah, it's different. They can't pay the same amount of money. You know? So you mentioned earlier that Julia has like a three-fight contract. Four. Yeah. Four or five contracts. Left, so she has yeah. three left. Um, how? So, but the money's not necessarily worked out in that contract. She's just she, she guaranteed four fights. No, no, we we have money worked out. Like every fight has a certain amount worked out, and then every time if you win, it goes up so much okay. per side. Per side meaning there's a show side, which is guaranteed. You show up, you fight, you weigh in, whatever. Uh, and then the win side is the win bonus. So it's okay. it's it's it's. it's it matches so like it could be whatever you could say you know 100 bucks and then 100 bucks to win clearly it's not that but anyway so um yeah and then every time it goes up it goes up certain increments per side and just keeps going up right and so is usc ufc obligated to give her four fights um so MMA is funny. It's an at-will because you're te- technically a contractor. Uh-huh. So at the end, they really could cut her, but that would take kind of like – it would take something major or they don't like her or something is not working or she's doing something wrong. They don't – or, you know, out of the four fights, she's 0-3, and the 0-3 are so bad that, like, she doesn't belong there. Right. They can do it, but they're fair. Like, they don't just bring up somebody and without a reason just get rid of them. Right. Um, especially her who, you know, in their first fight destroyed this girl who was really, really tough, also was a short-notice replacement, who actually the next fight after that girl went in and dominated a really tough, you know, uh, another tough contender, and Julia just killed her. Um, anyway, yeah, like they loved her. Like they're not, she's going to get her four fights. It would take something major, like for anybody, you know what I mean? Right. So it, it is almost guaranteed then. I mean, they're, yeah, they're like obviously we've never, like even in Bellator, when they offer the contracts, they're contracts, but it's still, you're a contractor, you know what I mean? So right. it's an at will at the end of the day. And, you know, now you can't just be like, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to go somewhere else. You, you're still liable. Yeah, so she's, yeah. she's got to fight three more fights with UFC before she does anything else. Exactly. Unless they approve the release or something like that. But really that's the, the ultimate goal for any fighter. Is you know, if you really want to be the best and you grew up aspiring to be a fighter, you weren't watching, you know, some low, I mean, you might've been watching local, but really I guarantee it's the UFC that's feeding you, not Bellator, not anyone else, maybe pride back in the day, but UFC absolved them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, that sounds like a good contract. I mean, you know, this is where the best, if you were the best or you want to be the best, then it's like being a football player and making it to the NFL. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's the great thing is, you know, the, the fighters need the platform, but the platform needs the fighters. And so, you know, it's probably a tricky business, but in the end, it's great that the platform is there because there's a lot of people who love this enough that like Josh was saying, get their nose pounded in for a lot less money because they love doing it. And the fact that these platforms are there gives them an opportunity to like cash in on doing what they love, even though what they love, it's not like they can do it for 20, 30 years, you know, and retire. It's uh no, it's uh I got to go in and make the most of this while I can. And they give them a platform where they can do that and they can, they can make some money off of it. And that's great. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what it is. And it's kind of a way to pursue your dream and do something nobody ever will. And if you get to the very top, yeah, you're going to make so much money. You know, oh yeah. Really work. But if you don't, I mean, Hey, you know, I guess you got, you got some battle scars to show for it. Yeah. Huh? yeah. And you got you know, some stories. For some the cool game. stories. <laughs> Any, anyone, 
Because it sounds like a big part of that, uh, Mishka, is that you have to someone like you in the corner that's essentially weighing the the pros and cons of each fight. And like you said, um, may not be a good matchup at the time. And, and so you kind of want to, you know, turn down fights that 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 the fighter may not necessarily agree with, but in the long run is probably for their best uh, best interest. Uh, is there anyone out there who essentially could have been a great fighter, but the the management side of it probably was their demise? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, well, and first, when we decide whether or not to take a fight, don't get me wrong. We don't just unilaterally be like me and my business partner. We're not taking it. We still talk to the fighter. Right. We talk to the coaches. At the end of the day, it's still their call. But everybody's input okay. comes in, and usually we operate like such a good team that for the most part, we always agree. You know what I mean? Like, well, we the don't... fighter obviously has to have some trust that you have her best, yeah, uh, his yeah. best and interest I, in I mind. I don't remember a case where we were all like like eight of us against one and the one decide. Like, I, I think that for the most part, even when we've had a fight, we're like, well, I don't know if I like it now, but it's not that bad type of situation right. where, you know, we all mutually agree. So, no, it, yeah, it's a team. And as far as management, I don't know. That's a hard one because – you have to start thinking about guys that but never made it but like really every time i think of one it's more like they got in these fights the right way um they were built up but then when they got to these fights they just didn't make it and like had a bad performance like a guy that comes to mind it has nothing to do with management but to me that had all this potential early on in the ufc and was eric silva and he was athletic and this and i will say though he might have been rushed a little too soon because he started jumping up these levels and then he started getting beat up and I think maybe moved too soon. But at the same time, it's hard to say that because the few guys that he beat to jump to that pretty legit. So it's like he had these good performances, you know, put himself on that level and then maybe, maybe luck, maybe knock someone out like perfectly to where the holes that he had weren't exposed in a certain fight. And it was just going really well for him. And then he got to a point where he wasn't able to do those things. And all of a sudden, people were taking advantage of his openings because they're like, say lasting longer and they're able to see the things he's doing wrong. There's right. a lot that goes into it. So to really call like a name or to think where someone was mismanaged, like, I, I just don't know, maybe. And, and uh, there's a story from back in the day, like guys would, I mean, it happens now too, but people train with the wrong people all the time. That's a problem with MMA, not even the wrong people necessarily. But I guess it's the same thing where you, get comfortable in the gym you start at you're not developing you're the best guy at the gym you're really not growing everybody else has grown because of you you know what i'm saying so right. you're really nobody pushing making you better nobody kind of you know you're not cross training that's a that's not even management necessarily but it's like a on a fight or two a lot of times because loyalty can kill in this game but it can also help so it's a weird dynamic right if no. you are too loyal you might never make it to a level because you might be getting held back. But if you're disloyal, you might jump too early from a system that could have worked. So it's kind of... Well, you know, yeah, if, you're, if your loyalty leads you to... It sounds like you need to be out of your comfort zone, obviously. Yes, and if always, your loyalty yeah. leads you to get too comfortable, then you're probably... Yeah, yeah. And most coaches, honestly, they know their limits. Like, you're a small-town coach. You don't have the kind of talent. You're going to want your fighter to cross-train. You're going to want to see them do... And a lot of times, these fighters will cross-train, but they still come back and... They still work with their coaches. It's not like they they leave them. 
But then you do sometimes have big egos that are like, oh, no, I can do the same thing, but they've never done it. There's no training partners for these guys. So they're not really growing or girls or whatever, you know. And it, it, that's a, like what I said. It's a fine line because it's really hard to judge because you don't want to be right. too loyal and you don't want to be disloyal. But no, it is a one-person sport, really. Everybody else works for that person, the fighter. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. is Connor back after that fight with Cowboy? Um, He looked, he looked incredible. Like, I've never even been – hold on. Stop. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> He's whining. Go. Get out. Um, so, yeah, no, Connor, uh, I've never been a huge fan as a fighter. He's great. But he always annoyed me with all the stuff going on. But then, like, he, before that fight, at that fight, after that fight, like he's growing on me. He seems like he's changing. He's kind of learning. He's always been a good fighter. And then in that fight, granted, I thought he would starch Cowboy, just like I thought he would starch Eddie Alvarez, because really, Connor is timing and precision with his striking, explosive, right. dynamic movements. And those two guys, like Cerrone, who can be a technician, but if they don't start off fast, uh, just like Alvarez, who's real wide and wide open. Those are perfect matchups, guys that like to brawl a little bit against technical, you know what I mean, dynamic strikers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really good for Connor. Either way, though, I mean, that's Cowboy. And to do that to Cowboy, Cowboy. pretty impressive. So I think he's back, but do I think he's beat Habib back? No, I don't. You don't but think so? so I don't think there. anybody is. I think Habib was going to mop Ferguson. I think he'll mop Connor. I think Habib will either only lose if he just waits too long and gets too damn old. Or if he just starts getting hurt or something like that, you know what I mean? Right. Like he's just he's really the best right now. He's the pinnacle of that weight class, at the least that weight class for yeah. sure. I'll tell you my just and I could be completely wrong. It feels like Connor made his money and now he's more worried about his his legacy as far as the fighting goes. Like he does I, you know what I mean? Dude, yeah, I think he cares about the fighting now a little more. Yeah, because it's because he doesn't need the money. I mean, he's going to get paid. He's going to. I mean, he's not going to go in there for free. Yeah. But yeah. he made a hundred million dollars. Like, yeah. I mean, he's set up his great great grandkids for life. Yeah. So I mean, his brand is built. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So in strengthening his brand well, is obviously going to be by winning from, in the ring. Yeah. Well, exactly. Because he went from like, oh, I'm kicking butt. I'm doing great. I'm making all this money. And then let me take a couple of these other big money fights, boxing, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Habib uh, made a ton of money, got a kick twice. Now you lose a little of that luster, right? So right. now he's like, yeah. all right, I'm still Connor. I'm still making money. But now the part where I was kicking people his turn, and now I just got kicked. And now he's got to salvage that a little bit because if he gets his kicked a couple more times, people might forget he was ever that good. And then if right. he – or say he stops making money, either way that's bad, right? Well, now – I think you're right. I think now is the part where he comes back and he gets back to the fighting again because he was good. Now he's made his money and now he's back to trying to be good and cement that legacy. And yeah, I think that's why he's think petitioning he, for these fights. I think he's looking at Rousey as a what not to do. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Man, it's great. <laughs> Excuse me. It's crazy. She, uh, she's great. Like she was a pioneer. You know, it's hard to really disrespect what she's done for the sport, but her attitude and leaving and then losing and then now i was reading you know she left the wwe and now she's looking at the fans and how ungrateful they are and this and that and i'm like what? like it's always that way with her so i don't understand what the character 
deploy is because eventually you think like you want to repair that because eventually you'll also start losing money because of it and people just jump off the bandwagon you know some people are crazy i think she's one of those that she quit being the person and started becoming the celebrity and she's just trying to hold on to that and and that's something that's not even real so mm -hmm. uh, you know I, i'm kind of curious you know like ken shamrock you know who was a pioneer of, of mma fighting last i heard he was living in like a camper and like as broke as can be and and doing terrible because i guess he made a lot of bad decisions so you know it, it's it's tragic to see that people who have, have been at the top let themselves you know get to that position like they just i don't know if they lose sight lose focus or think it's always going to be there or what but it's just terrible because you know they you know they were the biggest at set one point in time yeah you? so actually i i know ken decently i've worked with him before and uh ken ken isn't doing too bad actually he's got okay good yeah a couple kids uh he's married his He's actually doing pretty good. He's uh, he's been doing some TNA wrestling, re uh, yeah, uh, recently, which is pretty funny. But yeah, no, he's not. He he definitely even in his book and stuff like that, he made a lot of bad decisions. But he also, uh, I don't necessarily think he um, he recovered though. Yeah, I'm trying to think if you're thinking maybe Frank because I do remember. I don't know Frank, so I can't really say that. But like yeah. I know that I remember the story of uh, his camper, and then he left his dog in the camper because he was having such a hard time. He abandoned his dog there. So yeah. maybe it was Frank, but Ken, maybe. Ken's doing all right. But maybe there was a part also before I really, you know, started working with Ken a few years ago. I don't anymore, but like I have, and at one point for his Gracie fight, uh, yeah. and Kimbo fight for Bellator, um, I went down for the fights and all that. And yeah, you had a big family support system. Awesome. Like it, it seems like he was doing really well. So I, I don't know if that was before or maybe it was Frank or something. Okay. Yeah, I just saw something on TV where they were just interviewing, and it may have been Frank. I thought it was Ken, but no, it may uh, be maybe before then, you know. Yeah, just talking about how like the WWE, like and everything, you'd have thought, you know, he's living in millions or whatever. Well, then it just, probably like, is him. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, man. So you you have Julia Raging Panda. That's that's I don't want you know. Obviously, you don't have to rank them. They're all important to you. I know that, but that's probably your biggest name right now. Uh, For sure. Who who do you have coming? Who do you have anyone in the the lower or, or just starting out that you see a lot of potential, the same type of raging panda potential uh, so, that you um, saw in her? I mean, we've got a lot of talented people like that. Um, we've got a couple guys uh, uh, breaking out here recently, too. I don't know if you've heard of them, but we got a 3-0 guy named Tyler Ingram. His nickname is the Boogeyman, which is intimidating, especially when you look at him and like kind of how he – how savage he carries himself like he's not he's like a really good guy he was uh pretty sure he was special forces and you know he just got out of the military he's actually moving to colorado to train up there uh not sure if he's gonna do factory x or elevation or whatever with gaichi or you know with montoya at the other one but regardless he's uh he's three and oh he was one and oh right um and bellator gave us a call a couple years ago and they're notorious for having these sign guys right and they try to bring off someone from the local circuit you know and get their guy a win well tyler we see this three and oh guy and tyler i mean we know how good he was just at one and oh we're like most times we're not going to jump in on one week notice a weight class up against anyone you know what i mean it's just right. stupid but we knew how good tyler was he was active he had just lost the fight not lost but uh 
his opponent back out like a few weeks before that. Right. So he was one and zero. Like, all right, we'll fight this three and zero guy. I can send you like a link later or something. But Tyler goes in there and beats the living pulp out of this dude. Like he's suplexing him, like in wrestling. He's kicking him so hard the dude's falling sideways. He's doing whatever he wants to this poor dude, right? He beats him up, finishes him in the second round. Um, then we uh, hold on, go away. Go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, he uh, then he uh, he got hurt. He's got a couple. Uh, he's got a little history of a couple injuries here lately, but. Um, anyway, he then fought um, a guy. Um, I'm sorry, Tyler's four and zero now. <laughs> He's not three and zero. So anyway, yeah, Tyler. Uh, then we got an opportunity to fight a guy that was like eight and two and a former LFA title challenger at just two and zero. But again, we're like, Tyler is way advanced comparatively, just like Julia was with just a few fights. So we put uh, Tyler at two and zero against this eight and two stud. And Tyler mauls him. Same thing, finishes him in the second round. Uh, in this dude's hometown, the crowd is just dead. You know what I mean? Like right. he's scary. There, um, you know, there's a guy that was on that same show that was the champ of that weight class. He's in Bellator now, but uh, he was he got to five and zero oh and got on the mic. I remember and was like, his name was Kyle Kretschmer, and he jumps on the mic and it was ta- uh, saying, you know, I'll fight anyone. I want tougher guys because he beat up um, a couple tough, but not the type of guys that you know i mean at five and oh you look right. at who you get up and what we we're talking about don't get me wrong he's a real prospect oklahoma state wrestler but you know the record w- was built off good opponents so anyway he's jumping on the mic is like yeah i'll fight anyone this and that so tyler heard that and tyler got on the mic is like crutchmore i'm coming for you let's go you want someone here i am right <laughs> that dude spend the next like two weeks posting back and saying all kinds of stuff like why you shouldn't fight Tyler because Tyler scares people and I get it like you know this 5-0 and guy didn't want any part of this 3-0 and guy and we ran into that a lot so right. eventually finally we got a tough guy on LFA and um, it was actually right before I went overseas last year Tyler went in there uh, had a couple rough first two minutes of the fight it wasn't like rough rough he just kind of seemed like it's been a while he was trying to feel himself out and then he put it all together broke this dude finished him in the second round you know kind of the motto here and turn four and oh uh we were gonna have a big fight he got hurt uh so he he's gonna be ready to go after this pandemic and everything clears he's one guy um we had another guy that was a seven and amateur malik lewis um hard knock is his nickname fits him tough kid rough around the edges real good guy um hard upbringing you know like no nonsense tough fighter we've we've even had our little disagreements you know what i mean like but right. he's one of those guys that like he's he's got it he's got something special he, um he needed to buckle down a few things and kind of like learn some things about the business side and you know as he grew and he's done that and you know he was seven and oh and jumping into the pro circuit um usually you want some good fights same thing like guys are want to build themselves early on right they don't want to set you know get a setback right out the gate well so LFA offers us a guy and I'm pretty sure it was like a four and or five and oh Emmy. So another super tough guy from Texas. And that's another thing. Malik is that good that we were like, you're just going to be a tougher than we want pro debut, but Malik can beat this guy. He goes in there, beats this dude. Uh, I was actually in the corner for that one. Malik uh, beats this dude so bad that like, you know, he finished him second round also, but like he was flying Neam. Like the guy was real in the whole fight. He got so bad that, he, the fight got broken up for like it was either five or six i'm not exaggerating illegal knees after like the fourth i was screaming like 
are we gonna like stop the fight? Like, are you gonna disqualify this guy? Because he kept like kneeing him and or like kicking him in the nuts because Malik was just beating him up. And he did apologize and he said it wasn't on purpose, but that's quite a lot of, yeah. you know what I mean? It's hard to. Yeah. Like Draymond Green keeps claiming he wasn't doing it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done something five, six times accidentally. So, I, again, I'm not going to say that because in the sport, one inch to the left or to the right, it could happen. So I can't oh, yeah. say it didn't. It's just, right. you know. And, Your particular skill is hitting where you're aiming. Yeah, well, exactly. But if, if it wasn't on purpose, then bro like really accuracy is, <laughs> is not a strong suit and needs to be fixed you know but that's another guy he's now a one and oh pro but he was like i said a seven and oh amateur and he's got skills for days uh we got a bunch of girls and i i really don't christina williams is she's struggled here recently she lost two in a row look at who she lost to though there's no knock there um the only she's three and three overall, but if you really look at who she jumped out of the gate fighting, right. and like her three and three record for most people, they won't even get to like a first or let's just say second or third, whatever fight in their whole career that Christina was getting that early on. So she, I, I still believe like she can be very special, and um, she just needs a couple good wins, needs to kind of rebound, get everything together because her skills are there. Um, you know, her talent is there. There's a lot going for her and she's young enough where three and three doesn't look that great, but that's, that's someone that like, I don't even have to hype because I really believe she has the skills, just had a tough, tough start. Like you can't really, things happen. You know what I mean? She's one, I really do think in the next year and a half too, I bet you she'll rebound and she'll get to the UFC and she'll be another one. There's, there's a lot. we got like 40 people on the roster. Sweet man. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. All right, man. Well, that's an hour. Awesome, man. That's fun. I could talk about this all day. So. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate good luck you coming in Harvard. On. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, congrats on the Harvard. Good luck, but... good luck on your uh, on the UFC stuff. That, yeah. I mean, that's that's really cool. Uh, safe travels. Thank um, you. and uh, best of luck on whatever random nutball thing you decide to do next, man. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what I was it. telling these guys before. Like, you are really. You are mo- one of the most random people I know. Like it. Some yeah. people say interesting, Josh. You're <laughs> no, 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 no. It's because it's it, that's the I, thing. It's like, is yeah. is it surprised me that you said you got accepted into Harvard, but it didn't surprise me that you got yeah. accepted into Harvard yeah. because that is that that's just kind of how you go, which is awesome and it's cool. Yeah. Uh, to not, go that not way. a boring guy at all. <laughs> you know, I try not to be. Sometimes I, I like wake up and like wait. Did I I did that all that last night? Oh crap! Like, yeah, I didn't mean to get into Harvard? What the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Some people make worse mistakes. Yeah, yeah. like so. Yeah, this you're right, man. I, I just keep doing stuff. I get bored, and you'll see something else crazy, and maybe we can talk That's again. Awesome. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you back on. Thank you. Trigger, stay on. Uh, we're gonna cut the outro, but don't hang up on us. Okay. Everyone else, we're out.